Well, I have the utmost respect for truckers. I can tell you that. And that is, you know, they, I feel like truckers are on the front lines of, of all helping get stuff to and from places. You know what I mean? We rely on truckers, you know, more than, more than probably what some people realize. Charlie's got a go watch. Don't seem like a whole lot. After 30 years of driving up down the interstate. But Charlie's had a good life. Oh, and Charlie's got a good wife. And after tonight, she'll no longer be counting the days. was Tina Adair's message of respect for the work of long and short haulers all around the nation, as well as a little taste of the award-winning bluegrass singer-songwriter's rendition of the classic 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses. Those of you who've been around a minute will know it well, made famous by Kathy Matea back in the 1980s. We premiered Adair's video for the new version of it earlier this week at OverdriveOnline.com. I'm Todd Dills, and now, for this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, we're going to run through more of my interview with Adair about the sessions that produced the song and much more work toward a new solo album of hers uh, due for uh, early 2021. Bonus in this edition, you'll get to hear more from Overdrive's 2020 Trucker Talent Search winner, Rogersville, Tennessee-based John Malater, who hauls for the Jordan Carriers fleet, and who in October visited Jay Vernally's Jay's Place studio on Music Row for his session there, part of the prize for his big win. Results? Well, you're hearing his Take Me Back to Tennessee bubbling up under my voice right now. So my goal for today's podcast will mostly just to uh, be to get out of the way and let these two artists and their music do the work. At the end, too, a special contribution from Overdrive's own long-haul Paul Marhofer with another one of his pandemic-inspired tales and of life and work on the road and back home. Before we really get going, though, this quick word from Overdrive Radio's sponsors. First Guard, the trucker's insurance company, offering leased owner-operators the insurance protection you need and the service that you deserve. Contact today for a free physical damage or non-trucking liability quote. FirstGuard.com That's numeral one, S-T, guard, FirstGuard.com Here's accomplished guitarist John Millater answering the question of just where music began for him. Really, it it really started, uh, and I guess I'm going to date myself here, uh, with John Denver. And I remember seeing John Denver on the... the, uh, on the television when I was a kid and I thought, holy crap, you know, and he played the guitar and, and that's what made me want to play the guitar. So I, I, I did that for, you know, I learned all of that stuff and, and learned that style. And I tried to take a couple of lessons, but I'm just not a very good student. So, <laughs> um, so I, I just, <laughs> I just figured it out myself. And, uh, and from there I went to, and, and, um, I, I, pre- progressed into uh into bluegrass and they call it flat picking and um listen to guys like uh doc watson and um norman blake and uh, dan crary and uh, all of those guys are real familiar to anybody in that in that realm um and uh and that's where I, that's where i really started to to get into it and to dive into it you know feet first um right. and um and that's you know, and I learned all of that stuff too. And that's a that's a particular style um, of, uh, of of playing, you know. And it's it's um, you can't really fit it into too many other places other than other than that kind of bluegrassy folk kind of you know genre. You know, I was probably uh, sixteen or seventeen, maybe maybe yeah. sixteen or seventeen, yeah. 
And, um, you know, and I would, uh, uh, back then, you know, obviously, sorry, there's no internet. Um, so you have to buy these tapes and, and, uh, and books and with tablature and, and, uh, and God, my parents would get so mad at me asking for all these things, you know? Um, and I finally ended up, there was a guy in my little town, um, Booton, New Jersey that, um, I ended up taking a lesson from, and he didn't teach me how to flat pick because he didn't know how, but he taught me how to finger pick. Um, interestingly enough, that was the same guy that invented the, um, was the same guy who invented the, uh, um, the backpacker guitar and ended up selling it to Martin. So, um, that, that was an interesting story. He was, he, he had a little shop there in Putin. Um, but that was one of the, I, mean, I think I've maybe even taken three or four lessons from him, maybe at the outside. Right, um, right. And I don't think I've gotten any better since. <laughs> yeah. Almost all self-taught. Yeah. yeah. I later on in, uh, um, uh, you know, after I played for a long time, I took some lessons from a guy called a guy named John Carlini, who was, a real uh, virtuoso um, in jazz and uh, free jazz up up in New New Jersey and New York, and um, and he uh, he helped me understand. Uh, I never was able to grasp the whole jazz thing, but he, I, I he explained how basically music works and how you can you know how listening is such an important part of of what you do and at the time I wasn't listening to anything you know it was more like a um, more like a hammer and a nail you know if that makes any sense Fourteen states in as many days makes me wanna go going where the chilly winds don't Smiling faces where I share my home. Long to hear the stories that they'll tell. Long to lay my head with the one that I love so. Going where the chilly winds don't blow. Going where the chilly winds don't blow. Family, here's the thing that brings me home. Take me home to my dreams. Wander through the hillside, a place that I call home. Take me so music goes back uh, for you for forever, but uh, trucking does not, um, I, I don't think. And uh, you, you get your first trucking-related uh, work. Uh, it's been five years. Is that? Am I right? Am I remembering that right? About four years or so. Oh. Yeah, pretty close. Well, we were. Um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll give you the Reader's Digest. I was uh, in the Air National Guard in um, in New Jersey, working on the F-16s, and 9/11 happened, and we all got. I was a full-time state employee there, and um, and then what after 9/11, then we all got activated, which means we we're in the uh, you know in the regular Air Force. Yeah. And after after that. Uh, that was a full year of activation, and um, my wife and I, Elizabeth, we were ready to get out of New Jersey. Out of New Jersey at that point in time, we had both traveled around a lot, and uh, we were just ready to roll after that. And um, so we found a place down here, and you know, down in Tennessee, where we live now. Our our goal was to be more self sufficient. You know, we wanted to kind of grow our own food and and stop working for other people because you know not that you know well yeah i'm kind of lazy but um <laughs> but just to be, to be to be more like that so anyway long story short i we ended up farming full-time um for geez about seven or eight years and uh i don't know what you know about farming but but, but the small farms is uh at least in in the people i know you farm until the money runs out so, and that's exactly what happened to us. We were certified organic. We were, uh, you know, organic eggs. We had organic vegetables and, and it was just uh, the two of us. Uh, and it was, it was brutal, brutal. Just, wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, you know, and our re- retirement went to uh, organic feed and um, it was 
it was brutal. So then we went from the vegetables and chicken eggs and, and um, um, to uh, to meat to, to pigs, and um, and we were, uh, you know, pigs are called money eaters for a reason. <laughs> you know, they eat everything. So I decided, you know, we decided we had to do something else. And um, and I've always had it in the back of my mind that I, that I've, uh, I've, you know, I've always liked driving. Um, period. And uh, I could, I would, I would always be the one to drive the big trailer when we had to take pigs here and there. And and uh, so it just was a natural fit. And plus, the money was, you know, you can't complain about the money, you know. So. Um, so luckily, uh, I found a place in uh, in uh, Louisville, Tennessee, which is out near Knoxville, and um, they had this thing where they gave you uh, the CDL instruction, and you had to, uh, you know, that you would pay them back and that kind of thing. So it was and at the time we were so poor. I mean, it was barely we couldn't even uh, couldn't even get to, you know sometimes get the gas to go down there. You know what I mean? Right, that was right, tough. Right. Um, was, and, was this um, with a was this with did, a carrier or was this with a uh, with the school? This was the school. This was a okay. school that that uh, that partnered with several carriers. Okay. So what they did, so that you didn't have to, so there's you know, unless you wanted to pay or five or seven thousand dollars, yeah. Um, you would partner, you would partner with a carrier and uh, give them six months or eight months yeah. Yeah. of your time after you, you know, after you did your deal. Right. Um, and that worked out just fine for me. And, and, uh, um, and it was a pretty good fit. My wife says that this job suits me. So I don't know what exactly what that <laughs> means. Probably suits me because I'm at <laughs> it. It sounds like there's a kind of confluence between the music, uh, and, and the trucking to an extent in that, um, it's become part of your, uh, well, you've integrated your, uh, your sort of knack for, uh, predilection for songwriting and, and, and music writing into uh, the fact that you now um, have a lot of solitary time. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I carry a guitar, and then uh, and now it's a mandolin too. I carry all these things. Okay, cool. I can't take another instrument. I just have no more room for cases, you know. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I talk into the phone all the time, and and um, um, I have some people back home that um that i that you know that help me out from time to time and if i have a problem or they they have an idea they'll shoot me an idea on a messenger and then then we'll uh you know shoot messages back and forth um right. for song ideas and um it's just been it really has it really is you know it's been it's been good i hate to be optimistic because i'm not an optimistic guy but uh, it's been good because I can sit here and play like last night I was you know recording these songs and and, um, and then I, I you know today and I was waiting around for a load and I, I was playing the mandolin for an hour and a half and um, nobody bothered me you know what I mean I didn't yeah. have to go feed any animals or you know what I mean or nobody's moaning at me because of something or another so it's um, yeah it's uh um, and you know, when I want to go outside in the summertime, I just, I sit on the, on the, on the, I do a flatbed, you know, so I sit on the deck of the, the trailer and, uh, and play and, and, uh, you meet some interesting people, probably more interesting than I want to talk to you. Days of lost hope, days I'm glad they're gone, going where the chilly winds don't blow. Take me back to Tennessee. Um, that is the uh, that's the song that you uh, ultimately uh, performed for the finale in the Truck Talent Surge, I believe, right? Yes, correct. Yep. And that one also, to me, has that uh, has that little has that little bit of bluegrass guitar flavor to it. But it also kind of sounds like a trucking song. But I understand that you actually wrote that uh, well before you were uh, trucking, right? Oh, years before. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't know if I was doing a gig somewhere or whatever. And I just, re I remember where I was and I remember that that time and it just, you know, um, it was one of the first songs that I've written <clears throat> and I made up that, um, that I knew was good right from the very beginning, okay. you know, and I just, I just, I knew it right then. And I thought, Holy crap, where's this coming from? Um, and I originally wrote it as a slow ballady type 
song, you know, finger picking and, and, um, um, and that just didn't, it, I put it, I put it down for uh, several years and, um, and then I picked it back up and thought, you know, maybe we should try it a different way because of the contest, you know, and, um, and it ended up to be, uh, and it ended up to, to work out well. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have it. Uh, you know, I remember thinking about trucking when I, when I, when I made it up. Um, but I had no, I had no idea it was going to, I was going to actually be a truck driver at that point in time. I remember thinking that geez, you're, you're away from home and you're missing your family. And, uh, you know, all you're doing is looking at that white line on the road and, um, and all those things are so true. Uh, you know, and, and, and in hindsight, I just, just kind of strange that every, um, it's spot on. It's uh, I couldn't, I couldn't write it any better right now than I could back then. It's not weird. Wander through the hillside of the place that I call home. Take me back to Tennessee. It seems that not so long ago when I was I love the uh, the, the Sunshine uh, song as well. It's kind of got this um, it's it's like the the classic kind of like down and out um, I don't know folk song or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know that song is uh, I. I uh, me and a, a friend back home, he builds mandolins. His name is uh, Ray Deerstone, and we were uh, we're we were talking about that song. And he listened to it, and 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 it's funny. I, when I wrote it, I I wrote it under the under the premise that um, this old guy was in a old age home, and his daughter is uh, his daughter is putting him in an old age home, and she doesn't want to do it, you know. So right. everything is about getting old. For me, I guess yeah. maybe, yeah. but but he had a completely different outlook on it, and uh, he was like, "Oh, the guy lost his wife," and and so it's funny how people see things or hear things differently than than maybe you want to you want to you, to project them. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, but that's basically it. It's kind of a sad, melancholy kind of thing. Yeah, but and it's got the, but it's at the same time it's got it's got a little. I mean, it's kind of got some kind of some a little bit of bounce to it so it's not it's it's almost like uh it's, it's melancholy for sure but it's almost like uh, an accepting kind of melancholy it's like well okay this is how it's gonna be so we'll make the best of it right like yeah um, yeah that's about that's about the size of it too and and uh yeah. you know <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i wrote a a song right when COVID started and i played it for my daughter who's 16 and uh and she, she's like, you know, it, the music was so up tempo, you know, kind of like a John Priney up tempo song, but the words were just about people dying. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, so that, right. you know, she, to, to this day, I can't even remember the song because I never recorded it or anything. My yeah. memory is terrible. She said, "Well, I play that song," and I said, "Christ, I can't, I can't remember." <laughs> but he yeah, has that that sunshine is kind of the same, the yeah. same situation. I looked in the mirror, I thought I saw sunshine. I looked at the sun, and I thought I saw you. Life in the city ain't what I thought of. When I looked out, this hole in my shoe. The last time I saw Will's point. So I suspect there's a bit of a story here. Like, is is Will an actual person? No, 
No, Will's Point is uh, is is a town in Texas. Okay. And, um, okay. and that that idea had been on my mind being black in America, um, you know, ever since the summer and it kind of just gnawed away at me. Um, so finally I was, uh, uh, believe it or not, I was at a uh, beacon, (laughs) beacon truck wash in line. And, uh, I was, I was upset because I was waiting there for so long. If you've ever done that, the beacons are just, sometimes they're, they're so crowded. And, um, so I was, I was just, ticked ticked off and uh, and uh i picked up the guitar and, and it just and it just kind of came out i was i stole the melody from another from another song that i that i knew and um um and i was real worried that the melody was exactly the same as this other song that i can't remember right now but um it ended up it not it, it, you know you i can't i can't tell anymore but right. i i lifted the i lifted the whole melody and uh and it just came together right away and i um and it's kind of my protest song i guess you'd call it um one of my protest songs you know um and that's and and so wolf point um um is just where i ended up finishing the song waiting for uh waiting for a load to get unloaded on my truck yeah and it, it does it takes the point of view of a uh, of an african-american man I'm no stranger how they're treating me Being black in America, the land of the free Being free ain't easy on the other side of the track Fighting for your freedom is never easy when you're black And I, we should say here that uh, nobody can see us here, John, but you are not an African-American man. I played it for a guy, uh, an African-American, a black guy who I know. And uh, yeah. um, and I, I said, do me a favor and just listen to this and tell me if I'm completely off base or not. Um, and he, he, he played it, for, you know, for his wife. I didn't know this until he came back about two hours later. And he was like, man, you better record that. And that's all I needed. You know, I was like, you know, that's, that's great. I'm at least I'm, I'm not crazy in that aspect of things, but, um, um, yeah. And that's it. And I was taken from the, taken from that, from, you know, how they basically, you know, the the African-Americans have gotten, I don't know, uh, you know, um, mistreated over the last 400 years. I could use a more colorful word. Speaking of, um, untenable situations uh the washing my hands uh song um i suspect maybe that was written fairly recently as well yeah yeah that's a uh my buddy ray told me he said man you should have released that you know prior to november and uh um because because it has the election in there and uh and that's another one you know sometimes these songs just i woke i woke up in the morning and um I was humming, um, I was humming that, that one line in there where it says, uh, uh, I'm washing my hands of the whole damn mess, you know, and, um, and, it, and it just it popped into my, I don't know where it came from. Uh, I, you know, I've really tried to think, geez, I, does that come somewhere from another song? And it probably does, but I can't, I don't know what it is, but, um, and that came real fast too. And I, I, I did the whole thing and, and, um, actually I didn't even write it down. I just dictated it to my phone and, and most of it was verbatim. Carpenter said to Jesus, what's taking so long? Should have had that house done a while ago. What the hell is wrong? Jesus said to the carpenter, you know I'm the son of man, but I'm working all by myself over here. Who do you think I am? The carpenter said to Moses, go give Jesus a hand. Moses was a big old black guy with a hand inside a frying pan. Moses just said, no can do. I've got my own problems, man. Everyone around here is counting on me. Heading to the promised land You're by yourself Well, you're all alone There's no use to call for help 
somebody coming Whether you're walking on water or parting seas No help from me I'm washing my hands of the whole damn mess And I'm heading back to Tennessee What do you got? What do you think? Sorry. Are you going to do anything else with it? Are you going to you know, try to um, put out a put out a record, uh, do the that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, what do you think yeah, of more recording or what? I'm gonna, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do some. Uh, I'm gonna keep what you know, keep that stuff from Jay. And uh, I have that uh, the one song that didn't get uh, that yeah. didn't get vocals. So I've, I've recorded that again, and um, and um, we're gonna. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and do like an EP maybe. And uh, I'm in the process. Uh, it's already been done um, of um, licensing those songs just you yeah. know, in case. And, um, and uh, yeah, we're going to do some, we're going to try to do some streaming stuff. There's a plethora of musicians out in East Tennessee and everybody's out of work now. So I thought, geez, if I throw them some money, they'll come in and, and do some session work at, at, yeah. uh, at Deerstone's place. And, um, and and that's closer to home. It's just, it's only it's less than an hour away from my home. Plus, I I know the guy. You know, yep. I know the guy forever. So um, so that's kind of that's kind of the plan. For my money, I'd say that sounds like a lost love song, too. John Millater, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan Carrier's hauler and Rogersville, Tennessee resident. Next up, without further ado and close to home to me in Nashville, Tennessee, Bluegrass Pro, Tina Adair. This pandemic hit and everything, and I'd been talking to Adam Englehart um, with EMG, which is Englehart Music Group, um, for a little bit about talking about doing a, a solo record and I'd been spending um it, I just kind of it's time it was time to do a solo record and also um I talked to Adam and he's like let's do it you know so I partnered up with him and Glenn Duncan producing it all and um so we went in you know I'm a kind of let's don't waste any time kind of deal but let's be safe while doing it at the same time so we went in, I guess, around June and just recorded the record, basically. And um, I had, we, we first had a meeting with Adam and Glenn uh, and myself to go over material and, and, and songs and all. And this is one that 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses is, is one that I, I kind of brought to the table. And I said, you know, what do y'all think about doing a bluegrass version of this? I've, I've loved this song ever since you know, it first came out since Kathy Matea had it out, you know, and, uh, they were like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great song, you know? 
and I love just love the song in general and I've been singing it my whole life since I was a little girl since it came out you know and I'm definitely an 80s 80s kid with music on that on country 80s and 90s um and so we went in and cut it and it just it's one of those songs that just really flowed really well and it's easy to listen to you know like the it's just the music to it, it's easy to listen to it's kind of easy listening bluegrass and and um after we got the record pretty much done as far as the music wise the tracks and all and we just all kind of looked at each other and was like, yeah, this could be the first single, you know, off yeah. the record. And, and it's a lot, a lot of people are familiar with it from, you know, Kathy's version, obviously the, the first version. And, uh, a lot of people are familiar with it, but they, they know it, but it's, and I used to do, I used to do this on stage, uh, but I'm not, I'd always wanted to record it. Gosh, probably for about 10 or 12 years, I'm thinking, you know, had it kind of in my pocket going, I think this would make a good bluegrass song, you know, <laughs> and I, it just, it, that's how it turned out to be the first single. You know, we were like, I think this is the first single. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. And it's, uh, um, we're proud of it. And, and we had, um, the band on it. We had Scott Vessels playing banjo. Uh, Dennis Crouch is on bass. Tim Crouch is on fiddle. Rob Ikes is on dobro. Uh, Cody Kilby and Pat McGrath are on guitars. And um, Ronnie Bowman and, and his wife, uh, Garnet Arms Bowman, is singing harmonies. And, I mean, it's, it's like those guys just play it so well to me, and it makes it easy to sing to. traveling for years since I was probably about 16 years old so 15 right. whatever um and I had uh been out as a solo artist and around 2012 is when we met up with the sister basically sister Sadie was formed in December of 2012 okay. and uh this is an all-female band um and we just kind of formed as a uh kind of a one-off deal to play the station in here in Nashville. Uh, we, we just wanted to get together and play some music. You know, we were all friends and everything. Right. And that led to somebody recorded it on their phone and it got passed around. And that led to, you know, would you play a show here or there? You know, that sort of thing. So we kind of went back to the drawing table and was like, is this drawing board? And, and said, you know, is this something we may want to pursue and play some shows? And, and uh, we all agreed that, you know, we could probably do about 10 shows a year. And um, so that then led to 15 shows a year. You know what I mean? And from that, that led to, well, we signed a record deal and then we made our first record. And then the first record led to the second record. And then second record, we got nominated um, for a Grammy. It got nominated for Best Bluegrass Album. And then that same year, you know, we made our debut on the Grand Ole Opry, and this was all in 2019. Uh, we all made our debut on the Grand Ole Opry and then played it several times um, after that. And then in uh, October or late September of 2019, we won uh, the, our International Bluegrass Music Association, which is IBMA for yeah. short, uh, IBMA Awards. We won Vocal Group of the Year. Um, for the first time and that was uh that was our first actual IBMA award and then fast forward to now 2020 we had um the uh, IBMA awards came up and we won vocal group of vocal group of the year again and we won entertainers of the year entertainer of the year uh this year so um so it's been it's you know with all of the stuff that's been going on you know all the you know, we've had a lot of yeah. dates canceled and stuff this year, but that was the our big positive that came out of 2020. You know, yeah. uh, was being named Entertainers of the Year, and uh, uh, and then we've just uh, we're going to be playing the Opry on December the fifth um, again, and um, so yeah, so we've got some you know stuff coming up, and so that's I'm still going to be doing the Sister Sadie dates, but 
it was just time for it been it's been about eight years um since I've done a solo record and it was time I was kind of getting that itch to do another solo record and wanting to to, to to put something together and so that's when I started you know talking to Adam at EMD and and we worked worked it out so I'm super excited about this record um it's supposed to we I was just in the studio yesterday um with some some of the background singers on it we've got one more song left to do um on it and it'll be done and it'll be ready for you know mix and also we're hoping shortly after the first of the year sometime after the shortly after the first of the year um that the record will be ready or will be out so um i'm really excited about it. i'm excited about all the songs and and on it i've got some original stuff on it and uh and some some traditional bluegrass songs on it and you know some stuff that other people have written as well you know some originals to the to the actual record you know right that's wonderful. What what is the name of the record going to be? Do we know that yet? I don't have a name for it yet. Okay. I haven't. Uh, yeah, we don't have a name. Um, working on that, trying to trying to lock down some things like that because I got to get ready for a photo shoot and all that. And you know, a lot of times all that stuff goes hand in hand. So, uh, kind of what you're naming it versus the type of atmosphere you want for the picture on the record and all of right. that. So. Um, but yeah, we're we're in the stages of trying to get that locked down too. Um, hopefully, the record will be finished by next week because we got one more day, and then it'll be ready for mix. Which um, Adam will be mixing the record, and then it goes off to master, which won't take long. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a set release date yet, but it. I mean, I'm thinking some. I hate to lock down a date and, and have to move it, but we're thinking sometime in the first, at least the first first quarter of the year <laughs> anyhow gotcha. so it's been a great experience and a lot of fun and it's been very therapeutic I will say for me during this time um getting to do a solo record and and uh I've been like I told you earlier I've I've kind of been in my house since March and trying to stay safe and everything so the only place I've been is really to the studio so this has been very therapeutic and of course we've been very safe and and with the recording and all of that um kept our did our mask and kept our socially distanced you know stuff but we've been very safe but but it's been very therapeutic too to get around and make some music you know um I have a couple of things going on that I it makes me high risk for this virus thing so I uh we we did record at the same time except the background vocals so we didn't okay. do the background vocals but um at the same time but we recorded at sony tree studios in nashville it's, a, it's actually on music row and uh there's a pretty they have a pretty large room and they have um three iso booths so yeah. there's definitely like a mask mandate there but once you get into the once you get into your own little booth and you're closed up, you can take your mask off. But we had one, two, three, four, four people in the main tracking room that tracked, but they kept their mask on the whole time. So yeah. they were they were more than six feet apart, but they still kept their mask on. Now I I stayed in the control room um, and sang what we call a scratch vocal or a guide vocal, and yep. the band we didn't we didn't allow any in and out from the control room to the tracking room. So we kept that completely separate. And I even went to the extent I was, I was so nervous because it was going into this for the very first time. I was so nervous about getting out of the house that I was like, I've heard it can travel through HVAC systems and all. And so Adam's like, well, you're still safe there because the control room's on a different system than the tracking room part, I guess, because of when the HVAC system turns on or something, it, it, causes noise to record yep. over the mics or something like that so anyhow so i was like all right so yeah it was you know it's not the same as i will say this just it's not the same as what it used to be you know going in and recording a record and getting to go hang out at lunchtime and you know just the camaraderie of it all but everybody was really respectful and everybody tolerated it really well and we we had a good time given the circumstances of the way things are right now you know what i mean is there anything that for you personally that 
that uh, is connected to to trucking itself uh, that either drew you to do this song, drew, um, sort of led you to do this song or led it led you to a, uh, an outsized interest in this particular song or you know is there or is there anything that um, you know an affinity with uh, folks that do the work of trucking well i have the utmost respect for truckers i can tell you that and that is you know they i feel like truckers are on the front lines of of all helping get stuff to and from places you know what i mean we rely on truckers you know more than more than probably what some people realize um and and just it's it's hard it's hard work the road is hard my i will say this that my family my mom and dad owned a um a manufacturing company for furniture um, back when I was little. They well, they owned it for about 30 years. So anyhow, and they didn't drive a big rig, what I mean, an 18-wheeler, okay? But they still traveled and, and hauled the furniture. So it's, it's the same concept in terms of drive, you know, like mm-hmm. being on the road. It's not the same concept being in a big rig versus a, you know, just a big truck kind of thing, you know, but um, – and I just have respect because I, I've seen what kind of work put into being out on the road like that, you know, um, and having to, um, you're tired, you still keep going or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you keep working even when you're sick, you know, I mean, that's what happens. And I just have the utmost respect, um, for, for those. And I consider the truckers as being a part of the front lines of, all, of, of anything that we were involved in that helps keep keep this country running you know mm-hmm. um it's like the like the farmers you know to me and it's it's like they they kept help keep this country going um yeah. and uh we rely on them a lot and I, i'm very appreciative and 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 respect them a whole lot and just being on the road in general i mean 18 18 wasn't a dozen roses i mean i like I said in a promo video, I feel like that, you know, it's kind of a message of hope. I mean, he's retiring. He's Charlie's retiring, going home and, and going to, you know, it's like looking, looking forward to something else, a new, you know, like a fresh, something fresh, something new. And he worked hard and it's, it's kind of a hope and kind of the never ending love story, you know, and as a touring musician, um, I've been on the road, like I said, since I was probably about 15 years old, solid, you know, in a tour bus. And the road life's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, the, the part that's the funnest is getting on stage for 45 minutes to an hour and playing. And everything else is very hard, you know. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not all a bed of roses. And um, the road life is, is tough. It's a difficult one. It's hard on you. It's hard on your body. It, it's, you know, it can be hard on you mentally. So I guess that's where, you know, I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for people who are um, who are on the road all the time. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not it's not a walk in the park. Pandemic Gets Personal, or Why I Wear a Mask, by Long Haul Paul, read by Long Haul Paul. 
Carlin Shank used to sell fat hogs to my dad. A retired Air Force veteran, Carlin returned home in the 1970s from Southeast Asia, hoping to secure a farm loan. He would learn there wasn't a bank in Wayne County, Indiana, that would help him. The stated reason was that returning vets typically failed at farming. Still, having grown up on an Indiana dairy farm in the throes of the Great Depression, Carlin was no agrarian greenhorn. Borrowing $10,000 from his mother, he purchased some Poland china sows, a Hampshire boar, and some portable buildings. He went to raising hogs. Around here, they used to call hogs the rent payers and mortgage lifters. By the time my wife, our four children, and I moved to Wayne County back in 94, Carlin was an established cattleman. He was the quintessential Indiana farmer. To look at him, you'd never thought he had a dime. He was a man void of airs and duplicity. Always keen for a bargain, he once told me how he hated it when our family's packing house shut down in 78. You could buy those broken hot dogs they sold to the farmers for next to nothing, as he put it. Last week, with a reefer load bound for northern Indiana, I passed by the Quaker churchyard near my Wayne County home. Glancing over, I saw Carlin's sons, among others, bearing his casket to its final resting place. The cause of death was COVID-19. Carlin was welcoming to us when we first moved to the Indiana countryside, always cordial and a great neighbor. He was 87. I got parked up at the usual spot and Denise swung by to pick me up. It would be a rare home-cooked meal. Having about an hour to play with, I wondered whether we should swing by the churchyard and pay our respects. Denise had been told the funeral was a family-only event due to the pandemic. About the time lunch was over, a text came in from Shoestring Wall. A mutual friend of ours, John Runyon, had also died of COVID-19. Dang! Wasn't he like 40? It was a lot to process, all inside the space of an hour. John Runyon was a young and brilliant entrepreneur who had purchased an historic music venue on the main thoroughfare through Red Key, Indiana, after its owner had passed. The Key Palace Theater, in its heyday, had hosted Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, and B.B. King, among many others. An early 20th century movie house, the key was constructed in a way which lent itself to optimal acoustics. It took a lot to bring the old edifice back from the point of ruin, but John was no stranger to hard work. Soon the place was hosting all kinds of acts, including blues virtuosos like Anthony Gomes and Watermelon Slim. Four years ago, I told Shoestring, man, I would love to do a show there. Why don't you just go in there when the restaurant is open and sing him a song or two, he said. So I did. We wound up headlining the key three times, as well as opening for Watermelon Slim. John Runyon was one of the good guys. He made being alive just a little easier. The meaning of his loss for our community remains unfathomable. He died on his 43rd birthday. If this pandemic hasn't become personal to you yet, recent trends suggest it will soon, and I hate how grim that sounds. With graphs of recent cases indicating exponential, if not vertical, spikes, it seems now inevitable that either new safeguards will be put in place, as they already are in many locales, more people will be infected, or both. If you're still in the camp that views the right to not wear a mask in any public place with the zeal of a true believer, you're not alone. My visits to truck stops, at least along the I-75 corridor, indicate that barely half of drivers are complying with the posted signage requiring masks. Let's face it, who's going to call you on it? The coffee hostess? The shower attendant? 
the 19-year-old kid at Arby's, as Anthony Fauci recently remarked on a Sunday show, many Americans simply don't like being told what to do. That said, what about those truck stop workers? What are their rights? Who looks after them? Who ensures that they're not infected when half of their clientele are breezing in and out from God knows where? I'm not going to show you the latest CDC report, which suggests that masks protect the wearer as well. Nor will I mention how the virus has nearly been eradicated in Australia by tight restrictions on travel, a detailed coordination with health experts, and the weekly testing of OTR drivers. What I will proffer, though, is the 2020 version of Pascal's wager. That's why I wear a mask. Sometime in the 17th century, Blaise Pascal postulated that either God is or God is not. If a person lived as if God existed, her gains would be infinite, that is, heaven, and her losses would be finite, missing out on carnal pleasure, for instance. If one believed that God is not, and lived accordingly, that is, a life of sensual pleasure, breaking the Ten Commandments, Gains would be finite, but potential losses could be infinite, hellfire and damnation. So even if I don't fully believe what health officials say about masks, but comply anyway, I will incur some discomfort, but I may possibly save some poor truck stop employee's life, not to mention that employee's family and co-workers. Thanks for listening. I can be reached via email at longhaulpaul1959 at gmail.com or call me at 765-294-1050. This is important. Be sure to leave your number on the voicemail if I don't pick up. That's a Google line and I don't have caller ID. Enjoy the long weekend if you're home, everybody. If you're not, on this day after Thanksgiving, I'll say we're thankful for you. Thanks again to our sponsor, First Guard, and to you for listening. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive Magazine. Sign up to receive Overdrive's daily newsletter featuring trucking news and analysis geared toward current and prospective owner-operators via overdriveonline.com slash newsletter hyphen sign up. The podcast is edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor Paul Marhofer, whom you heard earlier, Overdrive Editorial Director Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, News Editor Matt Cole, and Executive Editor James Gillette. Till next time, stay pro out there.